Thank you for tuning in to Monday Morning Conversation with Pastor Jay and T. Drake. Grab your coffee, tea or milk and let's talk about the topic for today. Let's get the conversation going. Alright. Well, it is Saturday. Today is our first time back. So, we may have some people come in and it may just be me. Either way it goes. I'm glad to be here. It is Saturday. It's a great day. And I'm super excited to be here with you guys. So, as we are going to be talking today, our topic, of course, is rebellion is a choice, right? So the first thing we're going to talk about, of course, we're going to talk about the petition um, that Dr. K has created, and that's to get public public schools to get prayer back into all public schools across the United States. So that's the first thing we're going to talk about. But before we do, we're going to open up in prayer. And then I'm going to see if this is going to work for another thing I got going on. So we're going to just open up a prayer and then whatever the Lord would have to happen, we'll just go with that. Because whether it's one person, two person or more, God is always in the midst as long as we give reverence to him. So that's what I'm going to do. So let me just go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into our message today. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this space. Lord, I am so time I get to share some of this word, Lord. And I thank you for all the different platforms, Lord, and different ways to share the gospel and the good news. And Lord, to have discussions where, Lord, you are always top of mind. So Lord, on today, whether it's just me or others coming later, Lord, I pray that we would look at rebellion and know that we are choosing to do that. And when we choose to do that, Lord, we are going against you. So, Lord, let us not be searching for titles. Let us not be searching for notoriety. Let us not be searching for fame. But, Lord, let us be searching to do the things that you would have us to do. Not our will, Lord, but yours be done. So, Lord, I thank you on today for this time, this space, to just get the chance to just, once again, Lord, commune with you and learn more about you. In the name of your son, Jesus, I am very thankful for this time. Amen. All right. So here we go. Oh, welcome, Pastor Jay. How are you? Even see you have my eyes closed and everything. (laughs) I'm good. I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, I can hear you. So you want to talk about rebellion? Yes, I am. Yeah, I heard your prayer, and uh, probably, you know, you won't get as many people because people don't want to talk about uh, rebellion, and all we have to do is just look at what's going on around us to see that the world, the world, no matter where you live at, is in total rebellion to the things of God. I mean, we, we've made ourselves our own God, and you could talk about every aspect of life. You know, the family life, our social life, our political life, economics. I mean, it's 
And and again, when you read scripture, I mean the fact that things are going to get worse. So we, we this is what we expect. You know, total rebellion. It started in the Garden of Eden. Garden Garden of Eden, where man and woman are our forefathers, our first ones, rebelled against God and completely separated them from God spiritually and which brought death into the world. Spiritual death at, at the at the moment of the the initial rebellion and then physical death. And uh, all of us are born in separation. And the trick of the rebellious one is to make us believe that we are the center of, of our own universe and that everything revolves around us, the creation versus the creator. And he creates the enmity between us uh, continues to grow over time because you go to Romans, it talks about we don't worship him and thank him for who he is because what we've done, uh, I was talking to somebody today when we were out evangelizing and this person told me that they didn't believe their brain was, uh, what did she say? Her brain was uh, appropriate in this time that she's right the way she thinks is right and the world is wrong. Then I asked her, I said, well, if you're right and the world is wrong, do you think that you should be God? And they kind of hesitate and they say, well, in my own way, I am God. And I said, wow. And, and you know, this is the prevailing thought because when I say I'm God, it makes me feel good. I mean, think about it. If, if, if I determine that the world revolves around the way I think and the way I think about what I think, then I feel good because I can do no wrong at that point. No one can tell me that I'm wrong and the world doesn't want to be told that in no circumstance. Everybody wants to be, what's the word, validated in whatever they do. So rebellion is not uh, a popular subject. I'm not, I, I, like I said, I will be surprised if anybody else comes and joins us. <laughs> Well, I kind of—I was kind of figuring I would be here by myself. So I said, either either way it goes, it's it's going to be one of those things. Like you said, the topics coming up—they're they're not going to be popular, which is fine. I just know that this is something that has to be addressed because rebellion is so rampant everywhere. Like you said, throughout everything, and even in the church, people don't want to subject themselves to authority. They don't want to submit. They want to do what they want to do, and regardless of how they feel about a thing, they just want to do and have the authority to say, no, I don't think I want to do what the pastor says. I don't think I want to do what the deacon says. I will just do and come and go as I please and shake my fist at God and say, you know what, I'm kind of going to do my own thing. And thanks, God, I kind of I kind of got this, you know, and it's it's more than just sad. It's it's always disturbing when I hear when people present how they think about God and they think that God should be on their time clock, that God should do as they want and they forget who they're talking about all the time and clearly walking in the rebellion and they're okay with it and think that's it's just fine the way I think, the way I move, just like you shared that. And I will I will garner for a title. Even if the word says I don't need a title, it doesn't matter because I want the title. I deserve the title 
And yeah, God, you don't, you know what the word says is fine, but I think I will just continue doing as I do because this is what I want to do and forget what you're saying, Lord. I don't care. <laughs> it's a I don't care attitude. Yeah. I mean, Romans 1, 21 to 23 tells us of the rebellion of man. And again, in church, what we've tried to do is make church fit the Bible and the Bible's never fit the culture of the day. Never fit the culture of the day. I mean, we make anybody's a pastor just because you think you can talk. You got, you think you got to give. You're supposed to be a pastor. And most of the people, even the even some of the bishops that I deal with on a regular basis, they don't like dealing with me because what I do before I elevate anyone to minister, pastor, anything like that, I open up that Bible and I just open it to any page. And I say, explain that page to me, exegete that scripture to me, meaning simply explain the scripture and what it was meant to say to them before you transfer into 2023. And most of them can't because what they're told is it's all about them. It's not about the glorious God. It's all about, oh, I think I can because guess what? I feel that I'm called to this. Okay. Your feelings have nothing to do with this. If the Bible says X is X and it always has been X. And that's what makes the, the Christian religion so messed up right now because you have to honor Islam because they haven't changed and they're not going to change and they're going to stay together. And they and yes, even though they are very evil in some ways, but you have to admire the fact they're not allowing culture to change them. Same thing happened in Africa. They're not allowing American culture and, and what we call Christianity changes. We have to remember, this is a Middle Eastern book, a Palestinian book. This is not an American book. This was written in that time, in that culture. And it's and again, it's the word of God that supersedes culture. And what we've done is we want everybody to feel good, but nobody wants to talk about sin. You know, fornication, adultery, lying, stealing, all those things of homosexuality is a sin. Period. All of it. It's a sin. And and America is 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 at the forefront of everything that's in the Bible that's labeled as sin or or God doesn't make a provision for. In America, we'll make a provision for anything. You know? And again, uh, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. We're not we're not a Christian nation. We're nations with a few Christians in it. And the Christians that's here is going to have to suffer the, uh, the judgment of, of what this nation has done and what this nation is doing with Jesus Christ and the word of God. There is a war on the word of God. Because everybody wants to twist it to make themselves feel good, make themselves fit in and make God fit into their program, their motive, their what they want. But they don't want to deal with the straight line of God. He said that it's a narrow gate. It's a narrow gate. It has nothing to do with my feelings and what I want and what I think. There's no how can you how can you how you, I mean, it's like it's like Christians are so schizophrenic. How can you sit here and tell me? That God wants you happy, healthy, and wealthy when all of his apostles died horrible death. And there, I, there's more scriptures about you're going to suffer for the sake of the gospel than anything because culture is going to come against you. You say, they're going to hate you for the sake of my gospel. But nobody wants to be hated. Everybody wants to be accepted and loved. I don't mind. I know I'm on the wall. 
I know because guess what? I don't care about what you feel about me. All I know is look what the book says. It says what it says. It doesn't need, some things need to be interpreted, but some things are just so plain. But in America, we've twisted everything. We don't even think about this. When Bill Clinton said, I didn't have sex with that woman, we've changed what sex means. Because when Bill Clinton said, I didn't think oral sex was sex, that changed a whole generation of young people who said oral sex is not sex. Only thing in sex is, is uh, having sex in the vagina. That was sex. We changed that. And everything starts slipping, slipping, slipping. Now marriage, that's supposed to be between a man and a woman. Now it's between anything you want. And it's slipping. We talked about the fact that they are trying to pass laws for pedophilia. They don't want to call it. What do they call it now, T? They don't, call it, they don't want to call it pedophilia. What do they want to call it? No, minor loving people or minor loving persons. Yeah, yeah. And they want to call heterosexual people cisgender. Where did that come from? And then when you get a Supreme Court justice, our first African-American woman, Supreme Court justice, asked what a woman is, and she says she didn't know, <laughs> women wake up because, because, because you're being maligned to nothing. Because when you have your leading women saying that they don't know what a woman is, then what do you think society is going to do with you after that? If the leaders are up saying, I don't know what a woman is. You know, when we allow a person that's born a man to compete with women and believe that it's okay, women that worked all their life to play sports, and I'm and I'm particular on that because my sister was a college athlete and she works hard, but she could never beat me in her sport. I wasn't a basketball player, but she could never beat me and my brother because sports are physical. And you don't see too many uh, of those... Uh, 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 transgender men talking about playing NFL football either or college football. We've twisted everything that's good and godly. But the comfort is the Bible already told me, so I really don't get upset about it because where it's the darkest, the real light can shine. And like I said, we went out and evangelized today and it was so dark, but it was so much people are looking for the truth. They're looking... Your economic social position may not change, but you're looking for the truth. If you if you read the story in the Bible about about uh, Lazarus and the rich man, Lazarus died, a poor, sword up guy, one whose society had pushed him to the side. But the role reversal was in heaven. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. The rich man died and lifted up his eyes in Hades. The poor man didn't even have a funeral because the Bible says the rich man was buried, the, uh, Lazarus just died. But the ministering angels came to him. It's about life eternal. And yes, you're gonna have some people have a lot of wealth and a lot of good things, but that's not our focus as Christians. We play with this. We're in the world and not of the world, but we spend so much time trying to get the world. We're never content. You know, we're never we're never satisfied with a lot of light that God has given us and just minor improvements. We want it all here. But read that story carefully. He said, you got yours over there. And Lazarus, Lazarus has bad things. But now you're in torment. Because you didn't spend any time caring about the things that God cares about. 
And that's what the church has to get back to. You know, we talked about this before. Think about it. God tore down the one thing, one temple that we know God said built because he gave actual specifications, measurements and stuff that went in his house. Jesus tore it down in, in 70 AD and there's not a Jewish temple to this day. Why are we building churches that look like the Jewish temple? And why are we building these big old monuments? These monuments are not to God. These monuments to these men. You don't, you, you don't even have to play with it. He didn't authorize that. He, When God wants to build a house, he had specific instructions. And, and if you're a Christian, where did he say the house is now? It's you. The house not built with hands. It's you. The whole dynamic has changed. The dynamic back in the Old Testament was there was this place in Israel to come to, in Zion, that the world would come see the true and living God. When it became apostate, he tore it down. And he said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dwell with man all the time. But the church is a whole different animal. And the mission of the church is, and I laugh at preachers when they look at the look at the door and say, There's gonna be people coming through this door, we gotta get ready for them. That's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is that we're supposed to go out and become fishers of men. But we want we don't want to do that. See, everything that God has told us to do, we do it, churches are doing the complete opposite. Not all, most. Because it's easier to sit back and say, let's build a castle and they'll come to the castle. But what what does the castle have to have? A whole bunch of worldliness to keep people entertained. And I've been in this long enough. I believe 90% of the people in church aren't saved. They churched, but they're not saved. That's part of the rebellion. That's the trick of the enemy. The enemy is to teach you church and never deal with sin. Ask the average person. How do you know you saved? They'll start talking about their church affiliation. They will not start talking about their sin. And that's a problem. Even even, even with my people. It's like, I, I can walk up to any one of them and say, how, are you, how do you know you saved? And I never hear experience about their sin, sin and their guilt and their pain from their sin. They start off with the fruit. Oh, I was running in the club. That's the fruit. Oh, I was drinking. That's the fruit. I was. That's the fruit. Did you did did you deal with the root? Did you deal with the root that you're born in sin and shaped in iniquity that you're separated from God and you deserve to die? Nobody wants to hear that kind of preaching no more because that's 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 fire and brimstone. But that's when you're going with nobody when person people not saved. He even said there's going to be people that's going to say, Lord, Lord, I did everything in the church. But he's going to say, I never knew you. God is not playing. Men are willing to abdicate their position to women. Women want to be men in the church. And God said, no, that ain't how it's supposed to be. God don't care nothing about the 23rd century and what we think. What did he say? He made a provision for a certain order in life. How, how are you going to be your husband's pastor? And then turn it off when he go home, then he's your leader. I want somebody to explain it to me to make it make sense to me. I haven't seen it work yet. Ain't no such thing as a co-pastor. Where you see that in scripture? Oh, that's 21st century stuff. That ain't God. That's man. It's man-centered. Like I said, I don't spend too much time arguing with people about it, but I ask them, how does that work? Tell me how that work, bro. Your wife is your pastor. How that work? The Bible says that you're supposed to be the head of the, of the spiritual household. 
Y'all supposed to compliment each other. She ain't supposed to be running. You supposed to be teaching. The Bible says when a when a wife doesn't understand the word of God, he's supposed to be so well versed in the word of God that she'd come over and ask him about it. What do we have in the church today? In my church in particular, my women outpace the men every day. Like I told them, they're not she not she not shaming me. She's shaming y'all. Y'all don't want to sit back, don't know the word of good God, because everything is upside down. Women are leading their husbands to church. Husbands are not leading their families to church. That's where it's supposed to be. Husbands should take their rightful place. But again, they don't want to because they don't want the responsibility. They don't want to be accountable. You know, and in my church, just like other churches, I've watched these men come in and pretend like they really love church and God. And as soon as they get that godly woman, they go back to not even coming around anymore because they got her. And what ends up happening? She drifts. And then she starts making excuses for him. Everything is upside down. Everything is upside down. But the good part about it is because of that, the true light of God really shines bright. And those who want to stand on the word of God with no compromise, they're going to be the ones who carry this thing. And I'm just one of them. I'm not going to compromise the word of God. Because the minute you start compromising, you, it's a, it's a, it's not even a slippery slope. It's a downhill slalom. And then you find yourself in the gutter and you'll just justify anything. You will validate anybody, anything, anytime, just so you won't be confrontational. Jesus was confrontational. He whipped the people twice that we know of out of the temple. Turning over tables. Challenging the Pharisees at every turn. Because he loved them. He said, my father's house will be a house of prayer. And then this last time, he said, my house will be the house of prayer. But again, we we, we, we focus on the wrong thing. We, we focus on the shimmy and shiny things. We think because we got the people got a big building and, and a whole bunch of uh, 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 social influence that that's church. Uh-uh. The true church is hated by the whole society. And it's some small numbers. Not 2,000 in one place. No. It's that church that's willing to go out in the middle of the cold and not get no 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 pictures, no nothing, and go look for the homeless. Look for them. That's what the church, that's the true church. They don't get any badges for doing what they do. They, they have a burning desire to look after the poor. They have a burning desire to do what's right. They have a burning desire to serve the Lord. It's never about them. It's always about the next one. In Philippians, it says, consider others more significant than yourself. I don't see that in church. All I see is meism. My bag, my way, my I want to grow and, and all that. I don't see the sacrifice. What the Bible says in First uh, John, it said we know to be loved, and I'm paraphrasing, be loved to be this, that he laid down his life for us. Then it says, and we should all do the same. But then it says, if anyone has the worldly goods and doesn't share, the, share it with his brother, how does the love of God abide in them? He's challenging. He's saying you can earthly show your love by looking after someone less fortunate than you. When you love upperly, that's adoration. When you love horizontally, that's admiration. But when you love below, that's grace. That's grace. And the church needs to get back into the grace business and get out of all these other businesses. And I'm a businessman. Business is business. Salvation is a whole nother thing. I don't need to sell my wares inside of what I'm doing 
evangelism work. I need to sell Jesus. I need to get down in the gutter with these people. These mothers that stand up beside a road with their baby talking about they don't have a home and everybody is passing them by. And I think about how many church folk passed them by and don't even stop. Then we sing the song about we thank God that Jesus passed us by. Hypocrites. Hypocrites. You're thanking God for not passing you by and you're passing people by every day because they don't fit what you think. But it's a great time. It's a great time because, again, where the darkness is darkest, that's where the light shines. Because I know the difference. I know the difference. I wish everybody could have an experience with God to know the difference. I know the difference between me living for myself and now I live for God. I know it's like to drink from the cup, the cup of sacrifice. But we don't want to do that in church. Our leaders, the leaders tell us we ain't got to do that. Just take care of them, do what they say, and uh, everything will be all right. And you get your check in the mail. I don't care about no check in the mail. God said, if I, God say, if I search for him, if I, if I seek him in his righteousness, he said, all that stuff will be given to me. Everything I need will be given to me. And I'm a witness. As long as I keep doing what God want me to do, I don't miss anything. But God says, I get more grace. I guess abounding grace. And that's the favor of God over my life and the life of others who think the same way. We got to stop playing this game with church. We got to stop playing this game with the rebellion. Call it for what it is. I get it. I get it. It doesn't fit the culture today. It, it never was supposed to. It never was supposed to. And people, and people need to be honest. Just say you do do like you do in Judges. Read your Bible. See, when you read your Bible, I can back up everything I say with Scripture and books. Judges, in the Judges, if you read Judges, every other page, every other chapter starts off with, they did what was right in their own eyes. They did what was right in their own eyes. They did what was right in their own eyes. That was the fall of Israel. And the church is doing the same thing. And the church is going to be held accountable more than Israel because they didn't have a book. We got their mistakes and we're making the same mistake. We're doing what is right in our own eyes. That's why you got all these denominations. The church is supposed to be one. And we're, we're more splintered than the nation of Israel. I, I'm done. The rebellion is real. Go ahead, T. Hey, Dr. K. How are you doing? It's, that was really good, Pastor Jay. Hello, Tanika. Hello, everyone. Hi, Nicole. Hey, Dr. K. Boy, that really, really hit home. Um... I remember the Lord gave me something. He said, I will not tailor my word to your feelings. I won't tailor it. I won't shave it. I won't carve it. I won't take away from it. I won't add to it. I won't do, do anything to please you and your feelings. However, you can fix yourself or you can tailor your lifestyle to my word. And that really that really hit me that we do live in a nation where the people, so many of the people, and I'm going to include myself and everyone, we all fall short where we have um, focused more on things about ourselves and less on the things of God. We can see how the nation has become so perverted and has changed complete direction where everything is upside down. I was reading, uh, 
a quick scripture I'm going to just share with you guys in Zechariah uh, 10 and 2. It said, household gods give worthless advice. Fortune tellers predict only lies and interpreter, interpreters of dreams pronounce falsehoods that give no comfort. So my people are wandering like lost sheep. They are attacked because they have no shepherd. Um, that takes me to the scripture of um, the harvest is much, right? But the workers are few. And then when I went back to Zechariah 10 and 3, it says, my anger burns against your shepherds and I will punish these leaders. This is because many of the pastors today focus on the limelight. They focus on the things of themselves. They're jellyback pastors, many of them. They focus on the things of themselves and not the things of God. They care more about the people, what the people think, and not about what God thinks. They start out humble, kind of like Saul, and then they forget. They forget God. I mean, Saul, when he was getting anointed and he was preparing to be crowned, he was hiding behind trees and everyone was saying, where is Saul? Where is Saul? And the Lord said, he's over there behind those bushes, just showing just how humble this man was. And then in the end, he was asking Samuel, can you just walk with me in front of the people? Can you make it look like I still have this kingship? Can you make it look like something that's not actually there? And we're so focused on looking like something that's not there. We don't want to be transparent. We don't want to be vulnerable. We just want to look and appear like everything is good and everything's not. Everything's broken into pieces. And so the people now, they're so focused on what the government can do and, and political uh, 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 political things going on. They're so focused on everything, on what somebody can do for them. They're, they're not focused on what God can do for them, but what someone can do for them. And they're getting lost more to politics and the government instead of getting lost in Christ. And so, yes, when I heard Pastor Jay saying um, they, did what they, they did what they thought was right in their own eyes, I was in Judges. And so many times I read and they did what they thought was right. And they, I mean, God just kept repeating and kept repeating and kept repeating because they really did what was right in their own eyes. It, it really showed how bad Israel had got after they had crossed in, how they gotten. And the sad part is in that time, he used Deborah, he used uh, Samson, he used several leaders through the book of Judges. But even later, a few of those leaders failed too. And God was pretty much showing that like during the time of Noah, all of you are filled with sin. All of you fall short, but I have to use what I got to get the job done at this point. And then when he got to the very end of Malachi, God just got quiet. After he, it seemed as though in Malachi, he was just expressing his feelings and he was saying all these things about you robbing me how the shepherds then went forth and done this and that, how you're saying that I'm okay with evil. I actually read a scripture in Malachi 2, um, which really broke my, my heart because the Lord said, he said, uh, you have wearied him. He says, how have we wearied him? You have wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight and he's pleased with them. Pretty much saying that even if you do evil, oh, God going to love you. It's okay. God love you. He, he love you just the way you are. Didn't he say come as you are? He love you just like you are. And God is saying, yes, come as you are. But when you come to me and you've been renewed and you've been made whole, what I've done is I've changed. I'm transforming your mind and your body. I'm not looking for you to remain the same. You don't come 
to me and expect to remain the same. I am the one that transforms you. And so you have these ministers and these people that's catering to sugar and they're not catering to salt. They're scared of brimstone and fire. They're scared to say, hey, if your child is doing this, uh, hell awaits. They, they're scared to say it. So now we're in a, a place where children are choosing their own genders. And, it, and it's kind of like I try to think about what is God doing when he's sitting, he watches what's happening to mankind, when he sees these things. Sometimes I feel like he's seeing, hmm, let me just let them see just how far they will go. Are they going to come to themselves? Look how far humans go when they get away from me. Do they yeah. not see? Yeah. Right? Huh? I'm just agreeing with you. Amen. I'm amen at you. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Right. Do they not see what they're doing? You know, you sometimes authority figures are stand aside. And I'm not saying these authority figures are, are along with Christ because Christ is in a place all by himself. And for an example, they'll stand and say, let me just see how far they'll go. Let me see how far they'll go. And it is just no borders, no frameworks, no boundaries. And that's how sin works. It has to first break the boundary so that there be no, no, no place to stand. It has to break those borders so sin can just flood in. He has to make the doors wide and open. So he has to break the boundary, just like in the garden with Eve and Adam. He had to break the boundary first, right? He had to break the boundaries to enter in, right? So the point I'm making is, is that once we allow the enemy to break borders or break framework, the normal way of how God intended for man and woman, you can't stop and say, okay, um, yeah, homosexuality can be um, the stopping point. And not expect for pedophilia, bestiality, all these other preferred, perverted ways to come. And then come back and say, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Look, hey, these yaps, which is young, attractive persons, they can't have their way when you deliberately went on and campaigned that love is love. Well, guess what? You can't say love is love and then put boundaries on that when it comes to two women or two men. It can't be your way. It has to go all the way because you have removed the framework of which God created to make sure you did not go beyond that point. I mean, he says, I told the waters don't move. I told the waters to stay where they're at and the waters listen to me, but my own creation don't. Man don't. The waters will stay. They'll flow out over the beach, go into the sand and return back to its place. The water listen. But man himself can't seem to get it right in his own mind. And so then when God came to Malachi, at the end, he finally just got quiet and said, you know what? I sent the perfect man, Adam. He got it wrong. I sent the humble man, Saul. He couldn't get it right. I sent the man after my own heart, David. He fell too. I gave a man all the wives he wanted and riches. He fell too. I went on and on and on and on, and I, tried, I did every man from the beginning to the end, and all of them failed to get the job done right. Every king I chose, I'm going to have to come back and do it myself. And he came introducing in Matthew, the book started with him introducing all these different generations until they got to him, and here comes Jesus Christ. Because I got to do the job that you all can't do. 
And so what people are seeing right now, they're doing all that they want, how they want. They acting in their own eyes. They, they don't care about how things are transpiring. They're losing their children. And now they want to say, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. But did, you didn't call out to him when you was doing all these things, this, that, and the third. And your pastor did, definitely didn't stand up and say, hey, look, look, Jason, look, John, you all are out of order. Because they focused on the fame and the fortune and their focus on the mammoth and the things of the world and not the things of God. They sinking the things in the world and not the kingdom. And I tell people this, I'm going to end with this. And I say this so many times. I said, don't look at a person that you see that a rapper, a singer, someone that's out there doing all these supposedly great things that pretty much, oh my God, that's just disgusting beyond measure. And say, oh, God is, look at them. God has blessed them. Don't say it. Because no, he did not bless them. The gift come without repentance. He gave them the gift, but he didn't give it to them to pervert it. That he did give. But don't look at someone that's doing evil in their actions and they're earning their income and earning their wages, doing things that are perverted or things that are not like God and say that God blessed them. No, Satan fleshed them. He fleshed them. And he got you believing that if you see a person, no matter what they're doing in life, that when you see them with all this wealth and all this excess, that they're blessed. No, they're fleshed. They're fleshed. Satan will flesh you. God will bless you. And those that are blessed, you will know it because those that are truly blessed and hand, the hand of God is operating in their life, you're going to see it on them. Not only that, they will not compromise. They will not waver. And another key ingredient to pay attention to, to those that truly serve Christ, they're hated. They're hated. Nobody want to see them coming. Every time the true prophet came, oh, oh, Elijah, Samuel, what you doing here? What you doing here? Oh, I come in peace. Oh, okay. Woo. Because the truth is, is that when the prophet or the apostle or the pastor or the true men of God that burn with the fire of God in their bones, when they come, they're going to speak the uncut truth. And they're not going to care whether you like it or not. Because God, is he loves you. He's going to tell you the truth because he loves you. I don't know a parent that don't care for their children and won't tell them the truth. You cannot tell me that you have children and will blatantly lie to them and tell them, I love you. No, son, I discipline you because I love you. No, daughter, I tell you the truth because I love you. I want you to do what's right. I want you to do what's right. And this is why Eli died. He died because he would not make his sons respect the, God, the, the house of the Lord. These pastors have broken backs. And that's why he fell and broke his neck. What broke was what, what was already broke. Up that spine, it was broken because he had already been broken in his spirit. His spirit didn't line up. It didn't stand with the word of the Lord. He waited to say, oh, sons, I heard y'all doing this. Why y'all doing this? And the Lord says, why, why, why don't your sons respect me? I did not let y'all wear the priestly robes. Did not let y'all do all these things. Why do y'all continue to blatantly disrespect the Lord? How does that make me look, being that you're in the house of the Lord and the people looking at you and saying, oh, well, you know, I guess so-and-so, if he married a wife from the uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta or Basketball Wives, the XYZ, blah, 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 uh, I guess we can do that too. No, no. And I have to say this, and I'm, I'm going to yield back. 
I believe in this hour. Praise the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe that we are close to the return. I don't know the day and hour, but we are close, very close. I do believe that God is raising up a hidden remnant that is going to stand up and have fire in their bones like Jeremiah. And they are going to speak and not care what no one think. And they are going to tell it like it is. And all these jellyback pastors that will not stand up and say, hey, a three-year-old should not be castrated. A three-year-old cannot choose their sex. God is going to move and slay. I believe he's here separating the wheat from the chaff. He's separating right now. The line has been drawn in the sand. We have got to get back to righteousness and we have got to stand up and speak the truth no matter the cost. That's what we have come here for. That's what we do. We stand and speak the truth no matter what no one says. Because guess what? If we don't, the blood will be on our hands. And I yield. Amen. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and again, you know, like like we've been saying, starting the garden, because think about it. The doubt of the word. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? You won't surely die. And see, the doubt has come because we have so many people doubting what's said. And said, no, he didn't really mean that. It's like this. Doesn't that make you feel better? And again, I like what you said. God is not carving up his word like a Christmas turkey and a ham just to feed your ego and your flesh. He doesn't do that. And I, like I said, I do believe, you know, he is raising up a remnant. And again, Jesus told them, told them when they were arguing about who was still on the right and the left and about drinking the cup. He said, you're going to drink the cup. He said, you have no idea what it's going to cost. And it cost in their life. We have to be willing to give our lives for the sake of the gospel. I'm talking about our natural lives. And he even said, if you are willing to lose your life, you'll save it. And he's raising up a group of men and women who are willing Forget their title. They might have one. They might not have one, but they're willing to stand and stand for truth. They're willing to walk like our church's name, walk in truth. They're willing to walk this thing out in truth and let everything fall where it may. And, and the bright side of this is people are coming. People are listening. People are growing that want it so bad because they've tried everything else. And, and the Lord has allowed them to. And when you say, Dr. K, what the 400 years until Matthew, where God was silent, Again, what he did was turn them over. Romans 1 talks about they didn't worship him as God. They didn't praise him as God. <laughs> they didn't thank him as God. And he turns you over. What he does to those who want to continue to do what they want to do and go the way they want to go, he lets them go. Because the, 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 the beauty about it is he'll let you do what you want to do. And then when you, like the rich man, when you lift your eyes up in hell, you're going to say, I got five brothers. Like he going to say, because I'm preaching that tomorrow. He said, I got five brothers. And can you send Lazarus back? Now, Lazarus in, is, is sitting with Abraham in paradise, not suffering anymore. But you still trying to pull your, I'm a rich man car. You didn't say, Abraham, could you go back? You say, can you send Lazarus back and go tell my brothers they don't want to come here and they need to do right? And and again, just like, just like he said, Jesus told them in a parable. You had Moses and the prophets. If they don't believe him, they're not going to believe no ghost. And that's our problem. We are trying to seek everybody outside spirits and, and, and crystals and sage and all of that stuff. And we don't want to deal with the Holy Spirit. We don't want to fall on our face. 
We don't want to fast. We call fasting. Oh, fasting is um when you don't uh, talk on your phone for a day or two. That's not fasting. Fasting is, is, is a spiritual exercise where you take your flesh and tell your flesh you're not going to eat the natural food. You're going to dine on the real bread of life for a few hours. Then a few hours turn into maybe a half a day and you'll find yourself focusing and concentrating on God and communing with God at a level that you never could because he even said some this one demon can't be done can't be cast out by you just yelling come out you got to have you got to have some fasting and some prayer on this we're at the time when we need to go and 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 Jesus assumed that they would be fasting because there would be no reason to tell them that but we twist everything to fit our lifestyle you know just don't watch tv for a week really that's fasting that you really think you we we always make it easy for ourselves so it's easy to compromise we want to be liked we want to be loved we want to be admired and again you know i give no joan this when he said this he said you're not that gifted if you're not hated and those who are truly hated like like you like uh, uh dr k said I mean visceral hate because I won't I won't fellowship with everybody. I won't come to your banquets just so you can you can say I'm at your banquet. I don't do photo ops. I want to do the work. Let's get out here and do the work. I don't mind banquets. I don't mind having a good time. But my 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 position is with the with the God with the with the people that God told me to serve was we don't we don't feast until we do the work. And the work is in the streets. The work is down the street. The work is next door. The work is in your family. The work is the people that you talk to at work. The work is there. The field is ripe. Work it. Get rejected. When we went out and did evangelism day, 90% of people rejected us. I don't want to talk. I don't want it. No, leave me alone. But guess what? Seven took the time to talk to us. And I said, we had a successful day. Because maybe out of that seven, maybe all seven or maybe just one may decide to give their life to Christ. And the Bible says when one gives his life to Christ, just one, all heaven rejoices. Because we don't know what that one is going to be the next person that is so dedicated to the love of God based upon us telling the gospel that they'll go out and attract many. And then we get credited for that one who attracts many. Because we went out today, this is our first time since the weather broke. You know, my guys was kind of, you know, people rejected. I say, you wear that as a badge of honor. They rejected your Christ. Just keep going. Keep planting the seed. As long as you plant the right seed, don't worry about the rest. Don't get caught up in success. Get caught up in faithfulness. And faithfulness will be tested by your ability to handle rejection. And I yield the mic. I just want to add one more thing too, Dr. J. You're really, I mean, an excellent pastor. I, I really do wish more men of God is well. Period would come out and be strong enough to teach the the unyielding, the the uncut word of the Lord. They they just don't. They refuse to say it. Um, I do pay attention to politics a lot because um, I do believe that the prophets 
a help to God. Uh, we read that in the Bible where Nathan helped to God David and Sam, you helped to God Saul to tell him, hey, you know, the Lord wouldn't like you making this decision X, Y, Z. And so pol the political divide is great in the country. I'm not on the left or right side, but I do pay attention to policies because these policies uh, help or, or lead to the trajectory of where the country and our children are going. And I tell people, I say, you need to not be bound to your skin tone. Okay, I, I don't mean that we don't stand up for our people. For First of all, it's not our people. We're all the same people. God is not looking at a division based on skin colors. He's looking at, he wants souls. And most times people be so bound to their skin tone until when something come up politically having to do with three-year-old children. My, my ministry is to children. With children being told that they can be whatever sex they want or they can choose their sex and all these different types of things, uh, the people won't stand up. They just keep standing to the culture. Well, I got news for people. Cult begins in culture because it's a cult. Everybody have these uh, different customs. That's what cult is when you have different customs and things that you do to a certain culture, which is okay, but it is a cult. God never meant for that. What he wants you to stand for is righteousness. And a lot of our leaders we see today are leading the people far, far too left. They're not on the straight and narrow. If you see that, you don't have to stand with someone. I'm not here for political points. I'm here to say we cannot look at skin tones. We have to be righteous, be, have a, a righteous anger, and be able to stand up and say, hey, in your schools, we're not standing for you telling my five-year-old kid that he can wear a dress. That's not what we're going to do. But too many people have lost their minds. I know God has turned them like Dr. J. They've turned them over. He's turned them over to themselves, to a reprobate mind. But there are still many people in their right mind that are too afraid to stand up because they feel like, well, you're on the right. Oh, well, what's the name is, is, is saying that? You're on the left or bump that. You need to search these people that you're voting for or standing with and look over them and say, hey, let me see what these people uh, uh, are putting down here. Because my local school is telling boys that they could be what they want and that gender doesn't matter anymore. So yes, you know, I just wanted to put that in that we are bound to Jesus Christ. We're not bound to this world. We're not bound to nothing in it. But I do believe God give us the strength and the ability to hold the sun. And when I say hold the sun and tell the sun to stand still, I'm talking about when Joshua said, hold that, Lord, hold the sun, keep the light out. When Joshua said, keep the light flowing, he mean give us the light, Lord, long enough where we can fight darkness. And what I'm saying in that is the significance of that. When he said, hold the light, he's pretty much saying, God, let's do all we can to keep Jesus in it as long as we can. The light before all of us go up out of here and God take us out. We have to continue to ask God to hold the sun 
in doing that, it's our works. It's our efforts. It's the fight that we push and say, you know what? Yeah, I know this word here says that it's going to go this way, but I'm going to fight as hard as I can. God is looking for me to keep fighting for a little five-year-old Jason, a little four-year-old uh, Timothy. We need to hold, ask God to hold the son, but not just for the youth, but for the lost. Hold the sun, Lord, because the darkness is overtaking the light. But he will hold the sun. He will wait. He's waiting. I believe the, the word says maybe he's being patient simply because he's trying. He's, he's waiting on people. He's trying to wait long as he can. But even God can't wait too long. Even God. Because even the righteous will get consumed. So we got to stand on the word and we just got to ask God and work alongside of God. We are workers in the body. God, hold the light. Hold it a little longer and not just hold it. We got to pull out our sword, our, our, our rods, the word. And we got to use what's in our hands and our mouths like he told Moses and fight the good fight. We are not to sit aside and be nice and be quiet. We have to stand up and we have to open our mouths. And thank you guys. I yield back. You know what? You guys are on fire today. So everything that I'm saying is irrelevant, but all of this that's been going on, the rebellion is so prevalent as Dr. K, you said eloquently and Pastor J as well. The carnal mind cannot understand what's going on spiritually. But while I was hearing you guys share, we cannot cherry pick the word and we also can't cherry pick how the sin that people have allowed to come in, it starts to just develop like weeds. We, we can't stop that. And Dr. K, when you opened up about the homosexuality, that door, which they thought was okay to open, did they not understand you being rebellious to the boundaries that have set for a reason because God knows the depravity of human humanity and humankind is that you think you could say, well, okay, I'm a lesbian and I'm a trans. This is great. Just here. And then you don't think that something's been waiting because you guys were allowed to love. So you don't think the pedophiles are allowed to love. You don't think that they're coming. You don't think the bestiality is coming. We cannot forget that God set boundaries for everything because it was God ordained that he put it that way. So when things happen like this and people wonder, oh, God, I'm calling you. You took God out of the schools. You took the commandments out of the schools. But then you want to cry out to God. Oh, God, these mass shootings are happening. Why are you calling on him now? Why are you calling on him now? You get what you get because you decided long ago, you decided, listen, I don't need you, God. Let's pull prayer out. Let's pull God right out of the school. That's why we need him back in the school because you guys didn't understand. I'm saying you guys as the world didn't understand. The school districts didn't understand what they did. You opened a different door. There was some kind of grace that was sheltering and covering. But when you pull the commandments, thou shalt not murder. We got murders going on all the time now. It's like clockwork. Every time you turn around, there's a mass shooting here, 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 here. You don't think that those commandments were holding back, like Dr. K would say, was holding back the line of what could really come. And now you pull things out and then you want to cry out, 
Oh God, help us. Let us pray. Now you want God. Now you want prayer. Now you want to seek the word. Well, time out for that. You should have been doing that. So now you got to get back. And just like Dr. K and Pastor Jay, you shared, we got to get back to Bible. Get back to word. Choosing rebellion, it is an ultimate choice. You're choosing that. If you want to choose to walk in rebellion, no, you're choosing to hate God. You're choosing to be an enmity with God. You're choosing that choice. If you want to walk in that sin, that is your choice and you're choosing it. Know that God has no, no room for rebellion. It's not okay. God's justice is real. God's wrath is surely real. We talk about God's love. Yes, but he loves us enough to chastise us. He chastises whom he loves. So for those that think that they can just do whatever they want to do and think they could just be willy-nilly out here and twist the word, you have no reverence for God. You have no honor for God. You fear God not. But there is going to come a day as Dr. K said, there will come a day when you cannot seek God. You cannot find him. It, it's left. God is only being patient and long-suffering. Thank goodness he is. But forever how long he has that time clock, time will run out. So you must be seeking him while he can yet be found. Because when that day comes and you have the choice whether to serve Jesus or or not, and you chose to not serve Jesus, not go after God, not seek after the triune God of the Holy Spirit, you decided to go another way. So understand that when the church is left about it, the body of Christ is removed, that rebellion choice that you have made, you're going to be standing in that alone. And when God calls you in front of the judgment day, and he asks you, what did you do with my son? And you got every excuse, you know you're going to hell. And that's not a storytell, it's not a figment of anybody's imagination. That's real. There's only two sides to pick, just like we understand. There's only two genders, male and female. There's only God or the Satan, the enemy, the other. There's there's nothing else. There's no purgatory. There's no middle. There's no middle of the road. There's no middle of the fence. You must choose today whom you will serve. And if rebellion is your cup of tea, then you must serve it cold and go your way. But for those that are hot and on fire for God, we must continue and not get weary for those who say no and say nay. Well, you're not rejecting me. I don't have heaven or hell to put you, but you're rejecting Jesus Christ and woe unto you. If you die today and you go see him and he says, I don't know you, goodbye, you're gone. So I'm going to yield the mic because this was so good. I still didn't know if you guys had anything else you wanted to talk about with this rebellion being a whole choice. I just want to say one more thing, Pastor Jay and Tanika. Um, thank you guys so much. Tanika, thank you for this platform. I've learned so much uh, under your wisdom. I'm so glad that God is using you in a great and mighty way. And the same for Pastor Jay, such a wise, highly intelligent man of God. I'm so grateful to know both of you. Thank you so much for your labor in the body. That's all I wanted to say. Please grab your coffee, tea or milk and come join us for Monday Morning Conversation with Pastor Jay and T. Drake. 6 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. Let's get the conversation started. Hello everyone, this is Tanika Drake and I am going to share a book with you that I've written called The Gift of Finding God's Love, Guilt and Shame Turned Into My Shine. 
please check that book out either on Barnes & Noble or you can find it at Amazon or any place where you can get that book. Remember, it is not okay for anyone to hurt or harm you. Please check that book out and happy reading everyone.